0: We are live with episode 6 of Living the Guide Life. Chance Pratt here. And today we have Jared Stroman on with Northern Prairie Guide Service out in South Dakota. Uh, He is based out of Sioux Falls, born and raised in Bridgewater, South Dakota. And he is a big fishing guide out on the Missouri River, Lake Thompson, and a few other lakes around that area. And he gives us a rundown on how to get out there, catch fish, goes over some technology that he thinks is helpful, and gives us a rundown on what it takes to be a guide. And Jared started about five years ago guiding out there but has always been a fisherman and always always enjoyed the outdoors no matter where he's at so he really has a fun story and I hope you guys enjoy it We are here with Living the Guide Life, Chance Pratt, and we have Jared Stroman here from South Dakota. And he's gonna give us a little insight on what it means to own and operate a fishing guide and some more uh, tips and tricks along the way. So, how are we doing today, Jared?
1: I'm doing well, thanks for having me, Chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we were kind of talking before about the governor and how they're opening stuff up for you guys. How's the fishing and all that kind of stuff going on out
1: there? Sure. Yeah. It's definitely affecting our tourism. You know, South Dakota has, Very high tourism, especially during this time of year. We have a lot of -of out-of-state fishermen coming um, as their seasons are closed, and they frequent the Missouri River area. So it's affecting us lodging-wise, and um, we still see quite a few of the people around. It's affected our business a little bit, but hopefully... We are in the home stretch here. Yeah. Um, as uh, a lot of businesses that are in the tourism industry, gas stations, everybody from top to bottom has had, has been affected by this. And um, hopefully we can get it straightened out sooner than later.
0: Yeah. So are you guys on like a quarantine right now? Cause I know Minnesota. We're on uh, stay at home if you can, but if you need to leave for certain things, are you guys good to go?
1: We are good to go they have not closed anything down, just any businesses that they were recommended to close, which a lot of them did anything that has over 10 people. So a lot of the restaurants in Sioux Falls, as you probably saw in the news, we had the Smithfield plant, which got national news oh, wow. that has had a big implication on our numbers because all those people work you know, very closely to each other. So that has hurt us uh, a little bit as far as the our national news. And, um, yeah our uh our governor's taking a little bit of heat but she's kept everything open and uh everything's functioning as normal as it can be right now just anything over 10 people so a lot of your restaurants and things like that are closed um and then i mean the hotels are mostly for the most part resorts wise we are they're open they're just limiting the amount of people in and out
0: okay yeah, because I saw on the news that Michigan, they couldn't even go on motorized boats and stuff like that.
1: Yes, yeah, and they're protesting that, and that's, yeah. that's uh, quite the quite the deal. It's, it's interesting how each state has, has, uh, has used their power, the governors use their power to shut certain things down, keep certain things open. And uh, it's been interesting to see that case by case and, I guess, state by state.
0: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't imagine... Why they would close down motorized boats and right right I don't really see the logic behind it, but maybe
2: I agree <laughs>
1: totally. Uh, <laughs> the ramps here are very busy. I can I can see that being an issue. Um, but the ramp, there's a lot of people coming from, like I said, residents and non-residents. The lakes are starting to fire up a little bit and all those docks are in so we're seeing a lot of folks out and about when i go out to the river up to the lakes i mean there's there's constant you know boats in front of me i'm passing them on the way home um and uh and so it's a lot of people are you know they have time off or working from home so they're choosing to to recreate and uh do things outdoors
0: yeah absolutely and uh so, let's hear your part of this story of how you kind of got into guiding and all that because I know you grew up in Bridgewater, South Dakota, if that's correct?
1: Correct. Yep. So, right between Sioux Falls and Mitchell, those yep. are familiar with South Dakota. Yep. I grew up fishing the river. My my parents, my grandparents, um, actually my grandpa has a cabin on Rush Lake, which is up by Otter Tail uh, in northern Minnesota. So, okay, we yeah. used to go up there quite a bit and I was always the grandkid that was first one up to go. Want to stay out the longest. Uh, there's a pretty good night bite we used to do up there on his pontoon. So, um, but yeah, I, it's in my blood. My dad's a big fisherman, uncle's a big fisherman. Um, and even my grandparents on both sides, um, are, are fishermen. So okay, grew up, grew up with it and did it a ton. And, um, I've, I have a passion for it. Really what I, I started with is, Uh, there's a, there's a lodge up on Lake Thompson, which I fish quite often. And I was just kind of toying the idea around with her of, you know, starting my own guide business. And I knew there was, you know, quite a bit of competition around, but, um, I thought I had a good enough grasp as far as equipment and had a fiberglass boat, um, and all the, all the things that I needed, I've acquired over the years. And I just thought, what better time than now at that point I was, um, not married yet no kids or anything so good time to get time to get rolling i've been able to stick with it but um yeah yes, they have lodging up there now and then um we work with a couple different lodges and um it's been it's been great it's been busy it's been busier every year um year over year even in april here we're we're uh, up quite a ways
0: so yeah and uh i was out there and Early March over with Drew Casper, at oh, sure. Lone Pine Lodge, Danny, which you know who set us up. Uh, we went out, stayed there for a few days, and that was, that was a real good time. Does he? Are you guys pretty good friends out there?
1: Yes, he's. Uh, I used him for lodging, so we okay. have a few different options, but. Uh Drew's got a really nice place there. It sleeps like six people. It's called Lone Pine Lodge, like you said. Yeah. Uh, Drew's actually one of my guides. He, I believe, they're in the field right now, um, and he's got a, a hog deal. He he operates as well. But uh, yeah, that is a great place, and it's inexpensive. Thirty. Um, 30- dollars a person per night is what they run and then you know you can have I don't know if you guys brought your dogs out there and stuff but yeah. um you could clean your fish right there if you don't want to use the state park and yeah. uh and it's, it's right in the center of a lot of lakes and a lot of waterfall, a lot of pheasants, a lot yeah. of, a lot of everything and oh. fully furnished. So, well, yeah, he's a great guy. I've been friends with Drew for, for, uh, quite a few years and we, uh, have a deal going with the lodge and the, he also, like I said, guides for me starting when he, when dad doesn't have him locked down for planting and <laughs> spring, and then harvest. So he gets out quite a few times in between there.
0: Yeah. That's nice. Now, how many guides do you have out there?
1: Um, we have. I just did a post the other day. We actually have eight that uh, oh, wow. do trips for me year round. Um, we fish the Missouri River and then the whole glacial lakes region. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been busy. And then you know some guys will only get maybe three four trips a year. Um, and then other guys um, like uh, like a Drew or uh, Derek or some other guys that I have they. Are pretty busy come summer. They're probably out um, a couple of days a week. I would say.
0: Oh, nice, nice. So you guys get quite a bit of tourism over there during the summer, then.
1: Yes, and the nice thing about the summer is a lot of people are on vacation, um, and with the lodges that we work with, we get a lot of business and give them a lot of business back and forth Yeah. with people that come out and they can go during the week. And so, I mean, June, you know, we probably have. I don't know 25 trips booked already Oh dang! And yeah so it's uh June is always a real hot month yeah. even July and August you know we transition to be able to catch the fish uh how we like to fish them and able to be successful in doing it
0: yeah now would you say June is your best month to fish if you're having more people come out there or
1: yeah I would say May and June are probably the best but then you then you get Times in july and august where it's really really good too yeah it's just a little bit different tactic and the weeds come up and you're able to fish those which is really fun um and a little bit different than what we do what we do right now so um but yeah the, as far as fish biting uh really i mean the missouri river you know probably i mean we've we been had some trips in february uh, oh, wow. but a lot in March. that's you know that march I and mean, then right now the river is they're going Bonkers out there, yeah. So they, I mean, that's April is a really good month too. So April, May, June, and then I mean, probably until July fourth is a really good time.
0: Yeah. Now you said guys are coming out there in February. Is that do you guide all year round out there?
1: Yes, we have a couple different guys that are I call them river rats, but they're always (laughs) they're always at the river and um, they. Can fish the current very well so what we do is there's always a boat launch at these dams so the okay. dam in fort thompson the dam in pickstown the dam in yankton yep. and then fort pier that area so we're able to use the tail race ramps and be able to get out right there so if there's a day that's in the 30s with low winds i mean when you're looking at negative temperatures the week before 30 doesn't seem so bad and you can work <laughs> and People get, people get through it. So, yeah. uh, but those fish are in that definitely in that current. And we have some people that some guides that work for us and also myself that we can, we can fish those fish in the current. And, and uh, it's a little bit different than fishing just, you know, a flat body of water like a lake or something like that. that doesn't have running water. So, um, yeah we we basically do all year round last year i did some trips you know all the way into november Um, usually december january we don't do any but towards the end of february we've we've definitely taken some folks out
0: yeah because i know uh when we're fishing up in minnesota for walleyes and stuff like that the fall can get really good um, yes for sure on the lakes up north uh but yeah summer fishing is the best because you don't go out there in a t-shirt and shorts and just hang out
1: and that's exactly right yeah (laughs) early in the year late in the year it's you know you're fighting the weather the fish usually don't have a problem biting yeah um it's just water clarity and then being able to keep people out there long enough to (laughs) enjoy it so
0: yeah how long are your trips out there when you take people out
1: uh we usually do i mean sometimes we have a limit of walleyes you know and an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then we try to, then we try to target different species. Sometimes okay. you can just hop right on top of them and, um, uh, and, you know, basically overhaul them pretty quickly. <laughs> but other times it's a grind and you gotta, you know, it takes, maybe you got two people out and maybe it's a keeper an hour, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really depending on time of year and water and what those fish, they spawn. Uh, but we always do, we always tell people eight hour, eight hour trips. Um, we have some people that are basically done after five, six hours of fishing, but we have people that like to do the full eight hours and like to go out and maybe cast for some white bass or Northerns or try to catch some perch crappies, things like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Do you, so what are all the species of fish that you guys are fishing out there?
1: So right now, mostly walleyes. Um, we, transition we we do have some spots so we can catch some smallmouth bass we're catching quite a few white bass in mixing in with the walleyes and then once we start transitioning fully to the lakes then we are targeting walleyes to start and then as we go through the summer the perch crappies those species are all starting to uh, bite a little bit better um we'll just catch uh, a lot of northerns by the way that we fish and whether it's casting or trolling or even pulling live bait. I mean, those northerns, there's little lakes that we fish that are stocked full of northerns Yeah. and they will, they're aggressive and they'll hit about anything. So catch a fair share of those, not necessarily targeting them, but we keep them. And then we do, you know, kind of quarter them out, I should say for clients to have a bone free meal. Absolutely. Um, and uh, a lot of people like them so
0: yeah i mean a lot of people over in minnesota like to pickle them um yep. mm-hmm. that's pretty good I, yeah
1: my my grandpa actually pickles white bass too and he said the they really soak up that brine really well um yeah. it's a little bit more of a we catch a lot of bass out here in the ri- Missouri rivers actually got a lot of them in there um, compared to years past
0: so yeah. now does white bass taste like largemouth or smallmouth or is it kind of a different
1: it's Kind of different. There's a red stripe in there that a lot of people like to take out. Um, If you catch them in cold water right now, you really can't taste the difference. But people say, you know, they have the actual meat inside of them um, has a white look to it, almost like a a walleye. So I would say, you know, a small, he's got a little bit more red meat um, in a large one. It's been a while since I've cleaned one of those. But they, uh, I would, I'm, a lot of people think that when you fry them up, they don't taste a lot different than than a walleye
2: would Oh wow. um,
1: depending on how you how you cook them especially early in the year in the cold water they're yeah. a little bit better to eat um they just do a number on filet knives is what they do because <laughs> they are uh very spiny and their scales are they do a number on them so
0: yeah i I've, I've heard also when you're fishing white bass they like run in big schools, so you'll catch a bunch of them at once and then they'll be gone yep, Is that kind of true
1: Yes, uh, right. They'll probably be spawning in some of these lakes within the next few weeks, I'm thinking, and you can cast out to them and we catch them right along with the walleyes. You can cast to them and you can actually, when you're watching, you know exactly when you have a bass on because they hit it really hard and they swim right at the boat and they'll fight (laughs) when they get to the boat and you can look down in clear water and you can see they have three or four others with them. Yeah. So they are definitely a, a pack hunter, I guess you could say. Um, they, uh, they school up and you can catch a lot of them very quick and there's in South Dakota, there's no, um, they've basically raised the limits on them to unlimited. So we have a, they multiply very fast and taking over some of the lakes that we have, unfortunately. But
0: are they a native fish out there?
1: uh no they they basically have gotten in they got the the missouri river and they got in there somehow i'm not totally sure okay. um they've always been around but then with the with the flooding that we've had they've gotten into a lot of these lakes like vermilion which is just west of sioux falls yeah they were not in there ever and now it's just totally full of them after the flood
0: yeah well yeah i was uh When we were out there in the spring, Dan was telling me that Lake Thompson wasn't even there like 30 years ago or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. And you could actually talk, Drew's dad is, I don't know if he came down and talked to you guys at all, but. Uh, he knows all the history on it. They've lived there forever and farm around there. And he used to be able to, like my dad back in the eighties, duck hunted that you can walk all the way across. Yeah. And now, I mean, if you look at it, there's, it's higher than, you know, last year we had record high water, higher than it's ever been. A lot of houses got flooded. A lot of campgrounds got flooded and, um, uh, people lost, you know, quite a bit of their farmland that they used to. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard there's a lot of flooding problems over there that they just make lakes and then they just keep growing and growing. And then
1: yes, kind of like yeah. a devil's lake. That's, that's yeah. what it's being. I think it's the new normal as far as how high that place is. It's just down South of there. It's so flat that you just, it's hard to get water out of there. And they're trying to get it out of there for places to reopen the campgrounds and things. But I think, personally, I think it's going to be the new normal. I think it's just way too hard to get water flowing South. It's flat. And if you let it all go at once, it's going to be detrimental to those that are downstream.
0: Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. How deep is Lake Thompson?
1: It is, uh, probably 20 mid twenties.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So that's a lot of lake, you know, you got your shoreline (laughs) and it's, it's a very big lake. And, uh, there's a lot of 20-plus feet of water in that
0: place. Yeah, they were talking that, I want to say like two years ago, there's that big backwater that runs up to Drew's. They said they couldn't get back there, and then now all of a sudden they can just because the water's yeah. gone so high. Yeah, and that
2: Schaefer,
1: Schaefer Slough, it was – two or three feet for years and sometime it was actually i believe it was dry for a few years but now yeah. it's last year it was about nine and a half feet in there now it's gone down about a foot and a half or so but okay. still holding a lot of water in that those back channels and yeah little back ponds hold a lot of bait, fish and a lot of big walleyes
0: oh yeah i can imagine um do you guys fish lake thompson quite a bit then
1: Yes. That's where we're, you could say headquartered out of, um, just for the amount of lodging we have around there. And then some of my guides are, it's kind of right in between where they would, where they would be like, for example, Brookings or Huron. Um, that's not very far from there, but yes, that's where we're headquartered out of. We fished there a lot. Um, last year towards the middle of summer, it got kind of tough just because, there's so much water. Those fish are moving daily Mm. and it was like I said, the highest it's ever been. So
2: um,
1: it's really good for the spawn and the future of the lake. But in after the casting bite is done and usually about right around the 4th of July um, it just, it was harder to stay on them. You could catch a few uh, but you had to constantly move and it was a grind to get, get your fish. Um, So it's it's definitely changed a lot it's slowly going down but we still have a long ways to go
0: yeah yeah i heard uh the DNR stocked fish in there as well, or they used to, at least.
1: Yes. They're, the good thing about South Dakota is we have, which some other states do too, we have net surveys and also stocking reports. You can go back um, from the South Dakota Game fish and Parks website yeah. and see where they stocked fish. And there's a lot of these little lakes that they put a bunch of walleyes in that you can almost, you can almost go out there. We found one last year. You can almost say, okay, so they're netting 17, 18-inch fish in there. They stocked it in 2014. You can kind of see almost the growth of the fish as as they go along. Um, or there's another year class in there that's, you know, they're 13, 14 inches. So it's all public information. It's, it's great information for people trying to find a new lake or trying, you know, if they're out here and on vacation and they don't know much about it, it's a great resource to have.
0: Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Um, now you were talking about northerns too. Do northerns have a big impact on the walleye populations out there? Cause I know in Minnesota, they can put a beat down on them if there's they, enough.
1: Yeah, they definitely can. I think that these fisheries we have, the walleyes can multiply quickly. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they do take a, they do take some, that's for yeah. sure. But, uh, they eat a lot of white bass. So you, you know, it's just kind of the, food chain, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, the walleyes get big, the northerns get big, the bass get big and everything just gets a little bit too big to eat. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's, we have a lot of northerners in these lakes that you can definitely like, catch a trophy. Yeah. Uh, we had, you know, you can catch a 20 or 15 to 20 pounder pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, and they, uh, they definitely put up a fight in their fun. So,
0: yeah. What's the biggest Northern you've seen pulled out?
1: um, Last year, I think we had one close. I mean, we had some 15, 16, 17 pounders, uh, but you get a lot in that five to six pound range i can't remember the last the the biggest one i've ever seen is i mean it came out of thompson and it was i just saw pictures of it but yeah uh, it's a state record i don't even remember what that what that is but we catch a lot of the little ones and we catch a lot of those five six seven eight pounders
0: yeah yeah now what are you looking for when you're walleye fishing on some of these lakes like determining time of year and stuff like that are you just kind yeah?
2: Of... Uh, the
1: where we start like right now uh, on Thompson there there's a good bite up in the shallows, kind of on the we usually try to start wherever there's currents. It's always the first place. So any type yeah. of inlet, outlet, anything like that will hold fish. Holds a lot of bait fish. And then if you've got a lake that doesn't lake that doesn't have that, we try to fish the northwest. Corner of it, if that's got any type of structure, or um, right now at Thompson, there's a bunch of sandbars over there, and there's trees that are flooded in the water and things like that. So that's where we start, and um, those fish will hold in there until the spawn is done, maybe a little bit after, and then they kind of start basically going out to the deep and they'll hang there for a little bit, and then probably about mid May or so they'll start heading really shallow in in that two and three feet water and uh, start feeding on – actually, the fish in Thompson are full of bullheads when you clean them. So that's what they eat there. It's a little bit different than other places.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Would you Mm -hmm. rather fish the lakes or rivers?
1: Well, uh, if I could have a time of year, uh, the lakes, you know, obviously are probably about May – first initially right about now is when we okay. transition uh the rivers it's it's nice it's a little bit for further away from where i live yeah. um there's just there's you can fish the river 365 days a year so that's what i'd probably go with just because okay. you can fish in the current and um you can go out there right now and catch them jigging catch them casting plastics or catch them cranking or even guys are starting to catch them on spinners or lindy rigs things like
2: that
0: yeah so when you're fishing the rivers what's the environment out there is it a lot of rocks and stuff like that? Is it gets pretty deep or do right you guys- now
1: at francis case so last year at this time the river was very full okay. um they were worried about flooding and it's i'm not sure exactly how they manage it it's very confusing but there should be a lot of water coming right now but Lake Francis case is the lowest. I mean, lower it's the lowest it's been in a while from my memory. Um, so right now the channel, you can see probably 32 to 35 feet at max, um, in from Chamberlain North, you get down by the Platte, South Dakota area. And you've got a lot of the area that's already in that 30 to 40, uh, feet. So the, the channel is definitely deep, way deeper down there. Um, but there's a, in town there's all that quartz rock that they put in years ago um and that's one area where those fish will spawn and then a lot of them are spawning up on kind of just sandy ledges uh up upstream kind of you know in a little bit of current breaks up there and so that's kind of where we're finding them but really i mean it's like uh if everybody's been or if anybody's been out west it's just bluffs and uh rolling hills and really that's it's great scenery and those fish are just kind of they kind of go wherever they want it's a lot of where the bait's at and where they feel comfortable spawning
0: okay okay yeah that's i know because i traveled quite a bit out there and it's it's very pretty once you get along the river and
2: yes it is
0: it's it's quite a spot to be at to be able to fish that
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place and attracts a lot of people out there. There's a lot of guide businesses that that run out there that uh, that are very busy and yeah, it's, uh, it appeals to all anglers because it, you can catch big ones, little ones. You catch a lot of them, you catch a few, and uh, it's actually a, a place where somebody can go out and catch them without having all the equipment all the knowledge. I mean it's 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 an easy jig and minnow spot right now.
0: Yeah. Is there uh quite a few guides and competition out there for you guys right now?
1: There is, yeah. We uh I have um a couple people that I I use that kind of do some stuff they do some stuff for a few different guides um out there just because there's so many there's basically one at just about every bend it seems like up there um but they a lot of them have their own lodging and which we do not have at the river so that's one of the competing factors and bait shops and things like that so there are a lot of them and um we just we have been staying pretty consistent each year. We get more groups that want to go out there. Um, and then we, we have a lodging deal with one of the resorts that we're working on currently for, for this fall and next year. Oh, nice. Be able to accommodate some bigger groups and have, um, have them get a little bit discounted of a rate. Yeah, that's awesome. So,
0: um, what do you try to differentiate yourself from other guides when you're out there?
1: Well, um, I guess to, to separate us, what I try to do typically is, uh, if I have the right types of clients, I try to fish three different ways. Um, a lot of the guides that are out there have been there for a long time and they are basically fishing one way, well, two ways, one way in the spring, one way in the summer. And that's pretty much it. So We pitch, I, I teach people how to, you know, vertical jig, how to keep the line straight up and down feel the bottom and, uh, trolling crankbaits, which a lot of people can do. Not a lot of the guide businesses do it out there, but we're able to do that. And right now that's, that's, um, performing quite a bit better than just your jigging minnow over the side on bigger fish. Uh, you're still going to catch a lot of fish jigging, but, um, and then you know we pull bait we throw like i said jigs and plastics and uh, we run three ways and sink weights and things like that so we run a different a little bit different program than some of the other guides out there as as far as fishing a few different ways a few different tactics and uh people seem to seem to really like it
0: yeah that's awesome do you have um a lot of families with kids and stuff come out there too then
1: Yes. Yep. We have a lot of, uh, father, son. It seems like it's the most common, the most common, uh, group to take. It seems like, um, just actually had one on Sunday that I took out and, uh, they're probably my favorite ones to take her father and daughter. Um, that's, that's what we typically get. We will get, uh, parent, both parents and then a couple kids. And, um, that's always great too. So yeah, we take out a lot of families. We take out way more families than we do just individual people. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, that's nice being able to teach some of the kids kind of the basics and be able to do that while they're out there.
1: Right. Yep. That's our favorite way to do it. Um, actually on Sunday we had a a guy that surprised his son, And he basically came up to the boat and he just says, Oh, we'll see how friendly these people in Chamberlain are. And, uh, he walked right up and said, I said, are you ready to go fishing? Cody, he just, he's nine turning 10, I think next week. So it was, it was great. I had never had that really happen before. And, uh, it was, he was lit up all day with excitement and he caught a lot of fish. So he was very happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's the limit out there for walleyes?
1: uh, limit is four and you can have one fish over 20 inches. The Missouri river has a 15 inch limit. So, um, you could have four 19-inch fish you take home, or you could have a 21 and three 16-inchers. So anything over 15, and that's, that's typically what we try to follow, even at a lot of these lakes that we fish. Um, sometimes, you know, if they're healthy-looking fish or if we're catching a lot of those 14-and-a-half, 14-and-three-quarters, if we need a few to fill the limit, we might throw a couple in. But usually a good rule of thumb for us is we always like to keep them over 15 or bigger.
0: Yeah. Do you feel... um the limits may be too big or too little, or do you think the DNR is doing a good job on that?
1: I think they do a a good job on it. I think it's a little, you know, from watching tournaments and I've fished in Minnesota and I've fished in a few different States. um, I think that our population, I think that there's a lot of small fish, but then again, there's times where you catch a lot of fish and it's hard to catch your small fish. So I think they do a good job. I think they have been a lot of studies on it. We are, as some people say, the walleye capital of the world out here. So I think that they've had such a large, you know, they've been doing it this way for so long that there is a method behind it. And um, I think it's, I think it works great. Um, I've been to Lake Erie where you can have six, and now you can run like basically four rods a person. So that's get a little, for me, that's get a little bit out of control. Um, but, uh, I, I think it's great here. We can run four rods. If you have two people go, <laughs> or six rods, if you have three, Yeah, I think that's manageable. And, uh, ice fishing, you can run four rods out here. So oh,
2: wow. a little
1: bit different, a little bit different that way, but yeah, you can, uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's good. I think it's good for keeping some of the bigger fish in the lake
0: yeah absolutely now do you guys do ice fishing guides then as well
1: uh, we've toyed with the idea and i've been thinking about getting a snow bear and, and that's really how you separate yourself here and then some some shacks but we work i give referrals anybody that messages me i i get them over to another guy business as of now um just for the fact that we are it's something you got to be fully in or fully out and at this point we're out but we've been toying with the idea of getting into it it's just i feel like the first year we it, there's not gonna be any ice <laughs> so um but uh we're getting there i mean we we uh having the river you know being able to take people out in the boat all year is definitely a little bit um I don't know the word but I mean it's some it's accommodating for us to be able to use our boats so we spend a lot of money on them you know all year um and so we've been toy with the idea but as of now we are we're currently not
0: Okay Now you guys are talking about um if there's going to be enough ice do you guys get quite a bit of ice out there or is it kind of touchy year to year
1: Well I mean this year it was okay We just got quite a bit, we had quite a bit of ice, but we also got a lot of snow. So it made, that's another big thing with the snow bear um, option versus just running out there to your pickup because a lot of places you couldn't get around this year, uh, which has really been the theme for the last, I remember two, three years where we just got so much snow and I know you guys had a bunch of snow in Minnesota as well. And so it makes things slushy, there's slush pockets and it's a little bit more challenging. To get around that way yeah but usually ice is not a problem it's just the fact of how much snow is on top of the ice um <laughs> is the is a big kicker
0: yeah yeah because we had we had a really bad year this year with ice conditions all across the state
1: right right if you and... get too much snow on it right away then you uh it can't can't build the way you want it. It's not as good of ice for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of the lodges up North were having trouble because they just weren't getting enough. People couldn't put shacks out when they wanted to and stuff like that, which is a big game changer for a lot of them.
2: Right. For and sure.
0: That's definitely something to definitely something to think about when you're an ice fishing guide. Cause if you, yes. I feel like shacks are a big game changer for people. And so if you can have them out, you're going to get more people. If you're not, I don't know if people want to drive out there and do all that kind of stuff, but.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, we've, we've toyed around with the sleeper shack idea too. Um, so we definitely could, it could interest us. Um, it just really, I kind of base it on how the ice and everything, everybody gets around, um, the year before. And just last year was not, was not very good. So. That's kind of our plan as of right now. I think we'll keep doing the boat thing. We're very very busy with it, and um, I gotta I got somebody that I recommend ice fishermen too that does a really good job with them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, for your guys' trips, does each guide have their own boat out there then? Yes. Oh, that's nice.
1: So we all run twenty foot or bigger fiberglass boats yeah um that's our main guys we have a couple guys that have aluminum about the same maybe a little bit shorter but uh most mercury engine four strokes and um so yeah everybody's got their own boat and have has their own equipment and uh so nobody's nobody's sharing anything we share a lot of info and and uh, tips to each other when we're out there so
0: Yeah. Now, is there a difference between why you like fiberglass over a different kind of boat?
1: I prefer it because they're heavier and the ride is a little bit better when you get those bigger waves. Um, Also, stability. When you get in some of the aluminum boats, they might be a little bit narrower. and uh the ride in a fiberglass if you would if you'd have two at the dock and you took a ride in each of them you would notice a a big difference in the ride um and it's not necessarily the lakes but the river we get some really big winds out there and it's very it's almost like a washing machine when you get up because there's could be wind coming from the south but the current's being pushed from the north so you can get a lot of really odd waves when you get especially up by the dams and things like that so that's what we prefer and a lot of the guys at the rivers are all you know a lot of the guides out there are mostly running glass boats
0: yeah yeah i was gonna say i can imagine you guys get a lot of winds just because it's so flat and when we were out there every day was probably blowing close to 30 when were snow was hunting and so
1: And some of these bigger lakes, like Thompson, Ponset, some of those, they could definitely get rocking and rolling pretty good. So it's nice to have um, something that doesn't you don't get beat up in this pad, I guess. Uh, you still get beat up a little bit, but uh, some of those aluminum boats, you can – there are – it's, it's a, f- a pretty rough ride.
0: So. Yeah. And on the rivers and stuff like that, are you watching out for rocks? Does it get sketchy sometimes or – like, not really
1: out there. Um, as long as you follow the channel, you won't hit any trees or anything yeah. at all. So that's not as bad. Uh, the lakes, we, when you know where you're going, it's okay. There are, when you go to somebody's back waters, um, I typically like to go out and try to make a path and follow that same path. Yeah, um, cause there's a lot of things that, I mean, really these are old farmsteads and old, um, it's just old fields and there's rock piles and you name it back in these bays, uh, stock and mounds and a little bit of, you know, there's, there's everything. (laughs) So you can definitely hit some things. And, uh, usually it's not a good ending when you do just for the fact of, I mean, as far as, beating your boat up so
0: bad yeah I was just kind of thinking for the people that haven't been out there I'm assuming that you guys have those all mapped out and everything but for the people that are that are going out there and trying to fish for not knowing the lake like you guys do I bet it could get little a little dicier if you're not watching where you're going
1: yeah you definitely definitely have to uh there's a lot of lakes that have big rock bars and things like that so most people if they have i mean we use hummingbirds out here they have the best contours so if you have something like that it will put you in the right area to go through places for the most part but then again, there's some stuff where you're fishing and you think you're on land, and you're actually in the <laughs> water. So, uh, which is a lot of the stuff we fish. But I just tell people, go slow. Have somebody in the front, kind of looking for things, and then make your make your track back there. And then on the way out, you can use a little bit more speed. But the yeah. worst is if people are going, you know, in that. 25 to 30 and their nose is up in the air and they're going back into places. Your motor's just so deep at that point that, um, you can hit stuff. If you go trim up and you're, you know, running over at full throttle, you might miss a lot of that stuff. But a lot of people I see hit, a lot of people I see hit things are people, a lot of the people that hit things are people that are doing that, not on a plane kind of that 25 miles an hour motor way down in the bottom, in the water. So,
0: Yeah. For the tournaments you were kind of talking about too, I know they run one tournament out on Thompson. And do you think that um, kind of puts for the walleye population, does that kind of maybe hurt it in some ways? Or what do you think about that for all the people that are out there? And then like the catch and release or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. I would, I would love to see catch and release. That is a, that's a kill tournament so after june 1st all the tournaments in south dakota are considered kill tournaments
2: okay there are
1: some so once you have them in your well, you can't sort here like some other states where you can high grade and things like that you can't do that here all year so once you have a fish in your well, it's yours to take home it's how it works um so after june 1st i would like i mean i can tell you that these fish if you put them in your live well. I mean, if you have ever tried to – if you aerate them all day, if you ever try to catch one of them, thanks, um, and get them out. I mean, they're more lively than they probably are in the lake. So uh, I would like to see kind of a catch-photo-release type of tournament, but a lot of the locals, I don't know if they would be for it. Um, yeah. But like that tournament, you know, I think there was – I can't remember. There was like 870 pounds of fish taken out of there. I don't know if it was one day or two days last year. I'm trying to do the math, but um, I remember that number somehow. And I think that it doesn't hurt as bad just for the fact of how the limit is set up where you can only take out one over 20 per angler and you can have six in your, you know, you basically weigh in your best five and the only thing you can only have six in your boat. So, um, it's not like people are going out there with three others and keeping 16. Um, and so it's, I think, I don't think it does. I mean, I think that there's these, these lakes especially when they get higher just total walleye factories they spawn the spawn is good i mean they're laying a lot of eggs these bigger fish and uh, we try to we try to throw back the bigger ones when we're especially pre-fishing i mean usually i'll just throw back everything i catch unless i want something for some for supper but um we try to have a certain limit that we like to keep them over if you're going mount we had Three, I think that went on the wall from our clients last year oh, so we try to practice a little bit you know if we got a 22 in, in the boat already I mean that's a decent sized one but anything bigger than that we typically will we'll leave it up to the clients but kind of explain to them what it does to the fishery
0: yeah absolutely um, now you were talking about a little pre-fishing when you guys aren't guiding are you out there scouting and stuff like that fishing and doing all that kind of stuff or what's What's your kind of process on finding fish?
1: Yep. Yeah. I usually have, uh, all my guides are really good about going out and finding fish prior. We have a, a pretty big network that we work with, especially out at the Missouri river. Um, you know, and, and really what I like to do is go out a day before, especially if I have a couple groups in a row or at least go out the night before. And a lot of times I'll just drive around and just, t- just totally graph and yeah. look for fish um and see where they're at especially on some of the, the deeper stuff that we have that we fish on thompson and maybe i'll try to pull do a couple passes or make a few casts um and bounce around a little bit And if i catch one just leave and and uh leave them in there for the next morning but all of our guides are really you know some of the guys go out three or four nights a week and fish and um we're typically on them as best we can be all year so that's that's usually our goal
0: do you ever do any e-scouting, like, on the lake maps on your, like, iPhone and computer? Like, have you ever tried that where you maybe see something and then you go try it the next day or?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we have a lot of people that want, like, for example, Lake Cochrane up in more kind of northeast South Dakota. Uh, we've had people that have a house on Lake Cochrane or have a house on a lot of these different lakes and so what we do is might be a lake we have a fish for a couple years and they say can you take us out like yeah we'd be really happy to um so we do some scouting before we go out or like the day before we go out and i'll look on my i use my hummingbird um to you know as far as mapping and things like that we have a couple, there's, you know, I have the the app as well, and I'll be like, okay, this looks like a good spot. Maybe it's a long point that goes off into some deeper water, um, something like that. But any type of new fishery that we get asked to guide on, we're definitely. That's the first thing we do is definitely look at, look at our graphs, and um, and then next step is just going to try those spots to see if what we thought would work actually does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have the um, hummingbird map of South Dakota. Cause I know they make the 50 States and then Canada and they make single States too. Like I had one for Minnesota. Um, yep. is that they a big Dakotas. game changer?
1: Yes, for sure. Um, I'm actually going to do a live video on my guide page in the next couple of days here and just show, I get a lot of questions about, how do you how do you have your boat set up? Why do you have Lowrance and Hummingbird and Garmin? Yeah. Um, so I, well, I'm going to walk people through that, but uh, there's pros and cons to each. And right now, I have uh, two 10 inch graphs and three 12 inch graphs in my boat. Oh wow! So there's a lot going on, and I have three <laughs> different brands, so I'm not pro staffed by anybody. Yeah. Uh, and so I run them each diff they each of them has their own job in the boat and um it's it's how i like it how i prefer it and the mapping on the hummingbird for where we live versus like the great lakes or probably even in minnesota uh the contour lines are just night and day compared to a Laurents. so it's the dakotas i believe it's south dakota north dakota and nebraska so that's what they call the Dakotas. Yeah. I'm not sure in Nebraska, but I I know it's called the Dakotas. Um, the the Lake Master Chair.
0: Okay. And for when you said you use three different graphs, why do you use three different ones? Why don't you just use one? Is there a, something? You I like? have
1: five. So I have five graphs on the boat. Um, And I have three different brands. Yeah. So I have one in the back of the boat that has, I put 2D sonar on. It's a Lowrance 12, uh, 2D sonar and then side imaging on. And when you're trolling, if you're trolling a big flat or anything where you don't have to follow contour, um, I always, I'm always pushing my boat no matter, no matter what I'm trolling, I'm always pushing my boat with my kicker and I'm steering with my Altera in the front. So I'm steering left and right. I run it at about five. And so that gives me, we call it four wheel drive, but it gives me a lot more control of the boat. And then you're able to link up everything with your hummingbirds to follow certain contour lines or whatever it might be. So my 12 in the back is just to look back there and see if we're coming up on a point, if I need to reel the rods up a little bit. Um, or if when we're jigging, if you look back there, if you're vertical jigging, um, you can actually see fish come right in underneath your almost like a. Vexler per se Uh, so you can see fish come in and they'll get ready there's one right underneath you, um but it's more to be able to look to the back of the boat and not be facing forward and have to turn your heads and watch your rod and then go back and forth if that makes sense so i can literally go out and, and pull crankbaits or pull bait with clients and i can just kind of feel with my boat of how I'm going and look back at the graph in the back, um, and be able to see how, what depth I'm there. Um, and so that, that's what I do with that graph. And then I always use hummingbirds for mapping. So I have two 10 inch hummingbirds, flush mounted, one that's in the bow and one in the dash and that's nothing but mapping on those that's all that i use it for above in the front i have the garmin um with the panoptics and i have that hooked up to my trolling motor a lot of guys are using the pole for the panoptics um i decided to go this route just for the ease of of doing it and um that panoptics if you know anything about that is like next level live sonar you can cast a fish you can see fish swimming at you you can actually what i use it the most for is being able to if you cast and you have fish follow and they don't bite then you might have to change your tactic a little bit whether that's slowing down whether that's changing colors i mean it's it's almost cheating it's it's next it's the next level the the new best thing that you can get uh and the good thing is you can use that for ice fishing and in the summer uh, and then I have a HDS-12 Live on my dash that I use, a Lorance that I use for side imaging and then down imaging and sonar. So that doesn't even have a chip in it. That never gets used for mapping whatsoever. And that's just for sonar because I believe Lowrance has the best sonar. It's unmatchable by any other brand. I know Garmin's came a long way with it. I know that Hummingbird's came a long way on it. But... That's what my beliefs are, and that's why I have it set up that way. And their side, the Lorenz side imaging is also—I would say—it's very comparable to Hummingbird.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've looked at the three D, the three sixty imaging that you hook up to your trolling motor up front. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, it's um, that wasn't. I thought about that as well. So the only. The only downside to it is it still has to go around in a circle as far as a sonar goes, where if you're going to spend that kind of money, um, I like that pan optics because it's all in real time. You can actually see the fish swimming in front of you, um, where that, that hummingbird, um, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a lapse with it. I mean, you can, it's definitely a great unit where you can pull up on things and see rocks in front of you to the left of you. Um, but there's still a little bit of a last where that, that Garmin is, I mean, the fish are swimming towards your lure. You can see your lure swimming. In, I mean, coming at you in front of the boat. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that the Garmin.
0: Yeah. Oh, I hear it. The amount of technology that you can use to catch fish nowadays is crazy.
1: Right. Yes, it's uh, still got to make them bite, but you can definitely, I rely heavily on my graphs, And if I'm not marking fish, I am no longer fishing there because that means they're, they've moved, they're not there, or they're laying so flat at the bottom that they're not active anyways. So um so that's that's what I do and it's it's worked really well. And like I said, I'm gonna go live on my on my guide page and kind of pinpoint each one and its uses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so how long have you been guiding out in South Dakota?
1: This is our fifth full year.
0: Okay. Okay. And what are some of the changes you've seen while you've been guiding in those five years?
1: Well, definitely a lot busy. There hasn't been a lot of change. I mean, there's a lot of new things that have come out. also technology as far as like the Garmin and, and things like that, but um, as far as fishing wise, I think that the fish are, especially out at the Missouri River. We had a flood a few years. Every time you have a flood, it takes about a year or two. And then there's, there's a lot more bait fish in the system. Um, similar like similar like Lake Thompson. This year will be a really good year out there for, and probably for the next couple of months will be really good just because the water is a little bit higher, but it's not extreme, extreme, extreme high. Um, when you have those years, you have a lot more bait fish in the system. Those fish get a lot fatter. They get a lot healthier, a lot quicker, and um, basically the same with the river. So, I uh, there's a lot that have changed with lakes and rivers. It just year by year, um, Technology's change a ton, and uh, but still we're. I mean, really we use a lot of the same baits that we've used. A lot of the same techniques that we've used for years. It's just. Um, they're a little bit more enhanced. Of there's so many different custom lures you can get now, and there's um, a lot of guys that are trying, you know, doing these casting of blade baits and ripping and wraps and things like that, which is really fun. Um, yeah. And there's a certain time of year that that works a lot better than others. But there's just so much technology out there that you can and you can watch guys fish these tournaments. This head live head to head fishing that they did was really fun to watch in a different system than what you're. Used to fishing or or uh, out in every day. So and there's a lot of things that um, there's a lot of things that stay the same as far as location of fish, their tendencies, and and uh, even crank bait colors and jig colors and plastic colors and everything else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think um, using all this technology has how do I say this? Do you think it's made, because like, I know it makes fishing so much easier, but do you think it puts a beating on the fish more? Or do you think, uh, I don't know how I'd say that. Yeah. Do you think it would be, do you think it'd be better for us to use all this technology than if we weren't? Cause I know like if you're deer hunting, you can't use drones and stuff like that. Right, um, right. What's your kind of thought on that?
1: Well, I think that at the end of the day, it's still the fish's decision to bite. I've had so many days where I'm, I'm – and they're catching them and, and catching them, and I'm just like, what am I doing wrong? And um, – You know, it's, it's something to where the, at the end of the day, the fish makes their decision to bite or not. Uh, Um, and they're in the water. I mean, they're, you can't just run down there and grab them. So there's times where you use all this technology and you're not even fishing walleyes. You know, that's, that's one thing where, um, there's an option on your, well, there's an option on your HDS live where you can put an aqua view down and hook it to that. But a lot of times it's water clarity. You can't see what you're fishing anyways. Um, and so it's, it's definitely helped. It's definitely, you just hear the more people catching fish. I mean, a lot of these guys at the river don't know. Really I mean, this year, river fishing, we've had hundred percent limits, but I think that the, the game fishing parts has done a really good job of having that four fish limit, keeping it consistent, and that way you just can't go out and, you know, like white bass, you go out and just demolish them and keep as many as you want. But, um, I, I think that it's definitely helping you, it it's helped, it help fishing become a lot easier. But at the end of the day, it's still those fishes you know if they they want to bite they will if they don't they won't so um cheating maybe a little it's a little bit kind of cheating but um there's a lot of people that just have one graph in their boat and um and that's so fine i mean so it's it just depends on what you have how your setup is and and those types of things
0: absolutely absolutely and would you say kinda wanna go back to you talked about flooding with all the flooding that goes on out in South Dakota and all that. Um is it harder to catch fish when it's all flooded up or like does that move a lot of stuff around when you get more water in there?
1: Yes. So for example, let's take Lake Thompson, it was probably eighteen feet in the middle before all this happened. Now it's probably twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. So it adds just so much more. The fish could be staging in that 18 feet of water, and that 18 feet of water used to be the middle. And now there's just so much more 18 feet of water if you if you catch what I'm saying there, because that's it used to be you know eight or 10 feet. There's an old shoreline that used to run around there it's kind of a ledge where all of a sudden it would drop off. There's a lot of these, a lot of these lakes are kind of bowls, but they do have little drop-offs here and there. And so you could be, you could be fishing two feet too deep and never catch a fish and, or you could be two feet too shallow and never catch a fish. So it definitely makes it more challenging, but in the spring when you can cast to these fish and you can find them, that's when it's a lot easier because they're all up shallow feeding. So right between that, really right now when they're doing their spawn thing and then probably the middle to end of June. Um, once the weeds start coming up big time, it's, they, it can be a talum and higher water. It seems like the weeds grow a lot quicker. Um, I don't know why that is, but they, uh, there's new vegetation that's in the water and maybe that's, that's the reason, but, um, it definitely is a challenge after those fish get, burned out. And when I mean burned out, when the water gets too warm for them to be in certain areas, they transition to go out on the ledges or a little bit deeper. And it definitely is a, um, a challenge to stay on them day after day. And also they can just, just roam around. A lot of them are, are swimming into different lakes when it's high because there's more bait, um, you know, from seeing at Thompson, that there's basically three lakes connected right there. So, they can swim around they're using inlets and outlets and they're kind of doing their own thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and for another one, what's probably your biggest, your most used item in your boat when you're out there guiding?
1: Uh, you thinking like lures or
0: yeah, like anything like your biggest tool. Yeah. Lures you could say, or maybe, I don't know, um, maybe just your brain, like just thinking about knowing the lakes and all that kind sure. of stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: I would say just experience and knowledge and, um, being able to that's Yeah. Brain's the perfect one. Um, say, Oh, this, this water to me looks way too clean because there's a lot of water that's way too clean and you can't, Cast and catch fish in just because they can see your boat. I mean, everything looks like a crankbait when you're in that really clear water versus a bait fish. So things like that, yeah, just being able to make changes that will make help you catch more fish and put fish in the boat. So I would say experience and knowledge of whether it's water color, water temperature, um, past experiences, and just getting as many hours on the water as you possibly can. And or why are they, why are they here? Why are they not there? You know, things like that. You just think about it in your mind all the time. And it's fishing is something that I, you know, when my guides are out, I'm checking with them to see how it's going and see if I can help out in any way. Um, most of them are, they're, don't take my advice for this too, but um, they, they kind of have a handle on things, but I, I like to even know at the end of the day, what they were thinking when they made a certain move and like, Oh yeah, that makes total sense to me. I see why you did that. So just gaining knowledge from other fishermen and just going to the bait shop and talking to these guys that fish for years and uh, talking to your, you know, people that are in your network or people you meet at the docks or at the hotel and just, uh, you know, seeing how they did and seeing you know just kind of picking their brain a little bit and, and learning more about why they chose this this certain type of way or what they saw or what the what the you know the tendencies are
0: of these fish yeah absolutely I liked how you talked about the like how the fish see the bait on if it's like how clear the water is you might throw a different maybe shine your bait or what do you what do you kind of think about that
1: yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy because, uh, there's water at the, I'll, I'll drive South of Chamberlain and I'm going to go fish down by the white river, which is another river that comes in. And if I get down there and that water's chocolate milk or what we call it, like really dirty, can't see your, basically the bottom of your motor, which a lot of people use. Um, what we've had Lake Erie before you get that water in the spring all over because of runoff. Um, and so, that type of water will make me turn around and go find something cleaner or keep going until I can find cleaner water where in some of these lakes you can get up shallow and you can see two inches down and in three feet of water and you can still catch them. So the walleye is really are reacting upon their lateral line. So if you can get anything that rattles or will make a certain shake in the water, um, that will strike a bite for them. A lot of times, they don't even know what they're eating. They just like these bullheads. I don't think that they really want to eat bullheads, but I think that those bullheads are a fish that is pretty easy to eat. Yeah. Um, and they're, I mean, that's it's a, they, you know, it's just like at the Mississippi River, they have those um, little things that those fish they they use them to as bait. Actually, uh, we're allowed to use uh bullheads now too. So yeah, as far as bait fish. But uh you can catch them on, you know, even something like a mimic minnow. You can cast that and and catch fish in really dirty water using that. So anything that's got a a vibration, even like a you know a spinner's got a vibration with it, a spinner harness. Um a lot of these crankbaits that have rattles or have a certain wobble to them that make them vibrate in the water are definitely what what we go to and sometimes you know you don't want to throw a sometimes a dark like a black and silver can be a really effective bait in dirty water and sometimes you have to throw like a fire tiger or chartreuse it just it's just how they react and there's it's sunny days i've had days two days in a row that are never the same um as far as what color these fish like to bite on in that really dirty water so um there's not, it's just kind of trial and error, but there, if you can try to mimic in some of these lakes, if you can try to mimic your bait fish throughout the first part of the year, whether the water's clear or dirty, um, I think you'll catch more fish doing it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys using a lot of, uh, live bait or is it more artificial out there?
1: So right now we use a lot of minnows in the spring for jigging. I seem like the fish like to, Quite a minnow let's say through march start april we will actually switch to some guys use minnows and then we'll also have somebody throwing plastics in the back of the boat um see if they can get some more bigger fish doing that and then in the uh we do there's a stretch there where we do a lot of casting of crankbaits and no live bait at all which is probably about now till middle end of june and then we'll start pulling a lot of spinners and live bait and slow death rigs and things like that where we'll use leeches or night crawlers and um that bite is pretty good on those throughout until the fall and then we kind of switch back to our more artificial so crankbaits and plastics and things like that so it's kind of a i mean usually every year stays pretty consistent with that pattern and um it's it's worked out so i always like to use those real hot days when you have you know the 90 100 degree days in august september yeah you control you control crankbaits out deep or you can use that's when i we really use a lot of the live baits so crawlers leeches things like that
0: yeah yeah we rip a lot of uh fathead minnows on jigs and stuff like that in minnesota and then a lot of the artificial ones too. I like, I like putting those um, those moon eye jigs on with a artificial bait and casting up kind of on the sandbars and stuff like that. I yes, found.
1: Sure. And you, you know, we have a lot. I take a lot of kids out. I try to teach teach them to cast. Maybe they've never casted before. Yeah. And a jig and artificials. That's the perfect time for that. Um, just because they can't cast their bait off, so as long as yeah. they get it off the boat, any doesn't matter if it's five feet or fifty feet, um, they're able to be kind of in the strike zone and not worry about losing their bait, you know, and, and things like that. So it makes them a little bit easier to teach that way, and yeah, they can out they can outfish live bait and they can be outfished by live bait pretty quickly. Oh um, yeah. And so the plastics have come such a long way from what they used to be with all these ripple shads. We use a lot of split tail minnows out here um, on the river and things like that. I mean, it's, but a paddle tail is definitely a a very used bait now. And uh, it's a bait that catches a lot of fish.
0: Yeah, Are you guys um, using any bait casters when you're out there?
1: We use bait casters. That's how I have my um, bottom bouncer rod set up is total bait casters with the quick flip switch on them to be able to let out a line quickly um as far as casting we use all spinning reels and then that's uh that's typically what we're what we're using so
0: yeah because i was gonna say i know bait casting for a younger kid could probably get a little hectic sometimes with the bird's nest and all that kind of stuff
1: yes yep that's uh something for um you know if you, if you do a lot of bass fishing or even i think a lot of guys use those for for muskies but um a lot of our we have open all of our trolling rods are open-faced you could say they're line counter so you release the lever and let the line out um but all my live bait stuff that i have is all the uh the bait casters
0: yeah yeah oh i hear you that's that's the way to do it i like for me personally i like using a spinning rod way better than i would a bait caster anyway yes for or sure just any type of casting you don't have to worry about getting a huge bird's nest or whatever it is and i don't know what's your yeah, a, lot
1: guys, a lot of guys use that to pull spinners and bouncers around here too Is just a spinning rod so somebody starting off getting into fishing if you can get yourself three or four of those yeah um you can use them with a, a medium action six six or something yeah. you can use those for a lot of different types of, of techniques you pull bottom bouncers on them or lindy rigs yeah. um or just
0: cast oh yeah big time um, is there a favorite rod you have
1: um i uh I have a I have a lot of, I think I have 80 spinning rods in my boat at oh, all times. So um, I do like some of the some of the shields one titanium rods. Um, they are I think they are new or newer. I've had good success with those. I do like a longer rod and a medium light extra fast for 8 ounce or 16 ounce jigs, and then something a little bit with a little bit more spine on it for um, some of my quarter ounce or heavier jigs and plastics that we kill. um but those i mean really you can't go wrong there's so much technology in the in the rod business you know a lot of the guys use these jt custom rods Mm. there's so many different rod producers out there um i like all my shield stuff because of they have the warranty and then we have one right here in sioux falls and they've been they've been really good to me as far as uh replacements and getting things last minute and, and things like that. So, um, I have some St. Croys. I have some G Loomises. I have, uh, a little bit of a little bit of everything, all my trolling rods and my live bait rods are all shields rods.
0: Okay. Yeah. What's your ideal, like amount of rods? If you're just fishing by yourself in a boat, if you, yeah,
1: I would say, um, I like to have, if I'm going out by myself, I would say probably two of everything. Um, I get, there's a lot of guys that will, we pull out a lead core out here. And then we also do some mono and fire lines. So a lot of people want different rods for a lot of people use the same rods and just change out the reels where I lose my patience with that. So (laughs) I have, uh, in my Triton, I have like, I think I can hold 16 rods in there or something, uh, maybe more, but, um, that's, it's nice to be able to have all those different rods. So I would say somebody starting out, you know, having a, uh, maybe a rod rigged up with a slip bobber on it and then a jigging rod. And uh, I know Minnesota rules are different, but I mean, you can, you can, it's, I, I like to use it. If you ever watch the bass guys, how they have the rods sitting up front all ready to go. Yeah. That way you don't have to retie. So at least two of them is always nice. Um, and then maybe you have two bottom bouncer rods that you use Um, and you can use those same bottom bouncer rods for pulling crankbaits, something like that. So I would say four to six rods, um, with a a few different, you can use a few of them for multiple things. But, um, to be precise, I always say a line counter is the best to use for your trolling of crankbaits, just to be able to get your line out there consistently every time. If you have fish and know exactly where you're at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there, um is there anything you'd recommend for people going out on their first guided trip that maybe they should bring out on the boat or something that is always helpful? Maybe, I don't know. Do a lot of guys bring their own rods or is it mainly all your stuff?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's half and half. I would say a lot of people will bring their own casting rod and, um, they typically will ask prior to that, I would just tell people to make sure that you you check with the guide. And if you want to bring your rod, all of the guides are, they should allow you to do that. And then you can use my tackle if you'd like to on those rods. But um, I, I definitely gladly allow it. If people want to bring their favorite box of lures a try, I try to get people on fish and then if they want to try some of their own things or something they can do, whether that's throwing a jig and plastic when we're throwing crankbaits or something like that, um, that they have along. I just, uh, the bulkiness of some people, I've had some people bring their, um, 16 case tackle boxes <laughs> and I have all that stuff in the boat and compartments and things. So those, those do get a little bit, um, a lunky and kind of in the way. So I would just try to, but you know if you want to bring one rod and then your your favorite box of lures that you have or um box of jigs or whatever it might be that you want to use that's fine but all the guides and i exclude myself and all the other guys that work for me have everything they need that you would need in the boat uh, to be successful so if you don't want to bring anything that's fine if you want to bring a rod or two and a box of lures that's fine too
0: yeah absolutely absolutely Well, yeah i know uh I don't want to take up too much of your time left. I know we've kind of hit the hour, but um, I was going to say if there's anything else that you think could help people for like first time going out to South Dakota or fishing those lakes or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, if there's some maybe little tips that you could give them when they're going out by themselves.
1: Sure. Yeah. A lot of it is time of year. So I, I, I'm sure that a lot of these people have friends that they talk to that come out. Um, but we usually, when, the I would say, cause when is opener in Minnesota?
0: Opener <laughs> is it. I want to say May 15th.
1: Okay. So a good rule of thumb would be anybody coming out prior to opener. A good place to go is the Missouri river. Um, it's not that much further than the lakes. I mean, you can cross right in and fish some of the lakes, but, um, until at least May first, that's what I would recommend as far as walleye fishing wise. Um, these fish have a lot more aggression, and everything happens a little bit quicker. They turn on a little bit quicker when there's running water and um, some type of current. So uh, that's the first thing I'd recommend. Is and then after that, you can definitely hit up some of these lakes. But um, you know, a, a good thing is that you have a, a resource that is free, and you don't have to tell anybody you're going fishing is yeah. a South Dakota game fishing parks where you can see some of the stocking reports and they do net surveys all the time. So you can see it's, it's pretty, it looks complicated, but once you look at the right pages, it, it can show you where the, where the net surveys have been, um, have been the most. But as far as fishing wise, I mean, just normal tactics that you guys do there. Um, you should be able to double your luck cause you can use two rods here. Um, but, uh, jigging minnow early, and then transition to more live bait behind a bottom bouncer, and uh, I mean a lot of these gas stations and the uh, bait shops out here can can get you hooked up. And South Dakota people um, are uh, you know they're a lot of these places are very friendly, especially you know after they go through something right now where they realize that non-residents and fishermen are really the core of their business. yeah. And so everybody's been really nice. I mean, you can go in, um, whether you're not even looking for information, they could say, you want to fish Yeah. Oh, well, so-and-so was just in here and they caught a bunch over off this point out in the river or whatever it might be. So just don't be afraid to stop in places and, and ask everybody around here is very friendly. Um, and, uh, are, you know, we, these bait shops and things like that are, um, they don't run with a lot of revenue. You know, it's, it's one of those things where they, they definitely rely on the people that are traveling and coming to the state to buy their tackle, buy their bait and things like that. And they, they're more than willing to give out any information that they have.
0: Absolutely. And then where can everyone find you and how can they get a hold of you if they want to book a trip?
1: Sure. Um, we, uh, we do everything on Facebook. I am revamping my website actually. So it's currently down, but, um, so Facebook is the best way. I usually have a pin on top of my pricing. Uh, we're extending our early bird pricing or spring pricing, I guess you could say to the end of, end of May. Um, but it's Northern Prairie guide service is the Facebook page. And then I have most people shoot me a message uh, or text. um, on my cell number which is uh or give me a call on my cell which is 605-940-3374
2: perfect perfect
1: and it's not only to book a trip but if you've got any questions pertaining to this or any questions on where the bite might be if people come out i mean i'm more than happy to to give information that i know and uh get some people on some fish for maybe it's the first time that South Dakota or if they come out often and want to try a different lake or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Jared. And I hope your season goes very well once this quarantine deal is over. And (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I'll talk to you later.
2: Sounds
0: good. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Jared Stroman with Northern Prairie Guide Service, been guiding out there for the past five years very hard, and he's got eight guys underneath him that works for him. They're always on the fish, looking for walleyes, chasing on the river, and all those big lakes out there. They're the real deal, and if you're looking to book a guide, make sure to hit them up, and... Enjoy.